Welcome to the Women Who Code podcast. You know, most of us have been in the situation where we've had to explain something technical to a non-technical audience. And in this case, we were partnering with field with field leaders. They're world-class operators. They know, you know, from experience how operational processes cause strength. But they don't really understand regression models, nor do they care, you know, how many iterations we ran or, or you know, what the R square was. So when we would meet with them to review drivers, keeping it simple really helped. Women Who Code Talks Tech is a segment that features experts in a specific field of technology, sharing their knowledge on an in-depth and highly technical subject. These talks are designed to both introduce advanced subjects and provide insight into the work being done in these fields. Priyanka is a data science manager at the Home Depot, and she's passionate about helping the business make data-driven decisions and is currently working with the store operations team to minimize inventory shrinkage across the company's 2,000-plus stores. She has over 11 years of experience in data science, analytics, and reporting. During her free time, she loves spending time with her husband and two boys and enjoys road trips, hiking, and trying new restaurants. Priyanka, over to you. Would you like to kick this off for us? Sure, thanks, Zareen. Um, good morning, everyone. So happy to be here talking to this amazing group this morning. This is my first time speaking at a Women Who Code event, so that makes this even more special. So I'm Priyanka Kare. I'm a data science manager at the Home Depot. And in my current role, as Zareen mentioned, I support Home Depot's operations teams with data and analysis needs um, needed to reduce inventory shrinkage in our stores. So for those of you that are not familiar with inventory shrinkage or shrink, as it's commonly referred to, this occurs when your actual inventory on hand is less than what is recorded in your books. So today I'm going to talk about a recent project um, that our team worked on where we blended the art and science to identify actionable drivers of shrink in our stores. So a little bit about myself, I have 11 years of total experience. Um, the last seven of those have been at the Home Depot where I've had various roles in data architecture, analytics platforms, business intelligence, reporting and analytics and data science. Now, for those of you in North America, Home Depot is, is probably a familiar name. Uh, we are the world's largest home improvement retailer. Our sales crossed $150 billion in 2021. And we've grown significantly over the past few years. Um, we added $40 billion to our top line just in the last couple of years. We have a footprint in North America with over 2,300 stores across the United States, Canada, and Mexico. We employ over half a million associates. And the United States is the largest market for the company with over 2,000 stores. Now, an average Home Depot store is about 105,000 square feet. And with hundreds and thousands of SKUs per store, the scale at which we operate is pretty massive. So with that background, let me jump right in um, and, and first talk about the problem that we were trying to solve here. Now, shrink in stores is a growing problem for the retail industry. The National Retail Federation pegged that number at 1.62% of net income in 2020, which is a significant, significant $62 billion. Now, shrinking occurred due to a variety of reasons. Some are malicious, such as theft or fraud. So you may have heard in the news more recently where stores are being targeted. So a Home Depot store and a Nordstrom store in California were targeted earlier this year. Um, and then more recently, an Ulta store in Michigan was targeted as well. 
And this is a huge problem for the industry. Not only does it result in loss in terms of shrink, um, it, it also threatens the life and safety of um, retail workers and customers that shop there. And overall, it's just a bad experience for everyone involved. Now, unfortunately, malicious activity is a function of the surrounding area of the store, and it's not always controllable by stores. Other drivers are operational, which can cause shrink if processes are not followed as they are in intended. So consider this example. You know, a customer goes on homedepot.com and orders some ceramic potters that they want to, be, to pick up in the store. So the store associate goes, retrieves the potters from the shelf, and then they place them in the, in the staging area for all store pickup orders. But the customer never shows up to pick up their order, nor do they cancel the order. The potters stay in the staging area for a few days, and eventually they either get lost or damaged, which results in shrink. But perhaps the worst consequence of this is that of a lost sale. So while the potters were sitting in the staging area, um, a customer that actually wanted to purchase them could not purchase them. So, so unlike malicious drivers, you know, these operational drivers, some of them are store controllable. So if processes are followed the way they should be, then we can actually prevent shrink from occurring. Now for the Home Depot, just like the rest of the industry, shrink is a growing problem. However, in order to solve it, our leaders needed the visibility into what was driving shrink and which of these drivers was store controllable, and then subsequently determine what action needed to be taken. So pausing just before we move on, um, you know, let me talk you through some of the terms that you've just heard. So I'll re reiterate them and then also some things that you might hear, hear in subsequent slides. So shrink, like I said, occurs when your actual inventory on hand is less than what you should have based on your books. So your record say you should have 10 units of an item, but physically when you count it, there's nine. So that one unit that's missing is considered a shrink. Now, if the Home Depot with 2,000 stores and you know hundreds of thousands of SKUs uh, per store, counting each and every SKU is a very daunting task, and, and we cannot do that very often. So more often than not, a store will undergo a physical count once a year. So that gives us one data point a year per store for shrink. Shrink can have operational drivers, which are process-driven or malicious reasons, such as theft. Another term you just heard is SKU, which is stock keeping unit, which is a unique item identifier. And then lastly, SME or SMEs are subject matter experts, and in this case, in the area of shrink. Okay, walking through the process, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, as I do that, I'm also going to talk through the technology that we use at this stage. And this is important because having a technology stack that is able to handle the data volumes, scale up and down as you need it to, and then also processing our analysis in a timely and cost-effective manner is, is critical to our success. So the first step was defining the problem and scoping it. So here we set out to identify the most influential store controllable operational drivers and malicious drivers that explain shrink. Next up was figuring out what features we wanted to put through the model. So here we tapped into our feature repository that has potential hundreds of potential shrink drivers. So some of these are operational, like you know, vendor credits. Some of these are malicious, like theft cases. Some of these are control variables, like store location or count of um, competitor stores in the area. This repository has been built in Google BigQuery, and it, and it has data from various sources, be it our store systems, our ordering systems, um, or our third-party vendor data. The metrics in the repository are updated weekly. And this is tapped into for most of the projects that the team works on that are related to shrink. 
Now for this specific analysis, most of the features we selected already existed in the repository. There were a few additional drivers that needed to be added and we were able to easily do that. As well as there were some drivers that needed a different variations. For example, we may have had dollars for a certain feature, but we needed rate. So we were able to quickly make those modifications. Now that we had our feature set, next up was model development. So for modeling, we used Google's Vertex AI, which is essentially Jupyter Notebooks that runs on a virtual server in the cloud. For the modeling components, we used Python, and then we used BigQuery to stage our input data as well as the model outputs. Now the goal here was to understand what drivers of shrink were. So explainability was the primary concern, and we were less focused on accuracy. So we used a regression model as it provided the best insight into what drivers correlated with shrink. We went through multiple model iterations. So initially we built a baseline model, which was then used to benchmark and compare subsequent models. We also built models with all variables, operational, malicious, control variables. And this was done to understand everything that contributed to shrink. And then we also ran models with operational only variables or malicious only variables. And this was done you know, to understand, you know, for example, an operational a model with operational variables only would be able to pick up on operational drivers that would otherwise have been hidden by malicious variables that were more strong, strongly related to shrink and vice versa. Now, in doing so, we brought our business partners along with us on the modeling journey, and we kept them updated on the various model outputs and the, and the uh, variables that we were seeing as significant in the model. And they in turn helped us you know, think through why certain things were popping and why some, some of the relationships with shrink we were seeing were the way they were. So for example, in one of our models, you know, external theft um, cases was showing up as a negative correlation with shrink. And that's a little counterintuitive if you think about it. You know, if you have more, more, more theft in the area surrounding the store, you would expect that your shrink would go up. But the way they the business partner explained it is that if you know that you know there is more theft in the surrounding areas, you would likely be doing something about it, and that's why the shrink would come down. So this was the type of back and forth we would have with them, um, you know, through the multiple iterations. So we finally landed on a set of operational and malicious drivers that we felt good about from a modeling standpoint. So next up, we then took that list, um, worked with our business partners and field sneeze to further add the actionability lens on it. So the goal was to identify operational drivers that were truly store controllable and where we could identify a clear action for the stores to undertake. So when we looked at it from that lens, some of the variables were weeded out further. So, you know, for example, um, items that are lost in transfers between one facility to another, it's not something that a store can control. It's controllable by the company, but not by the store. So, you know, applying that lens, we said, okay, we need to drop this variable from, from the final list. Additionally, um, you know, in discussions with the business partners, there were a couple of variables that were not picked up by the, by the model as significant, but the business partners felt very strongly about it. And they were pretty clear on what action needed to be taken there to mitigate shrink. So we ended up adding those, those two variables uh, into the final list as well. And while doing so, we were cognizant of how many drivers would make the final list. We didn't want too many because you know the stores would be inundated with things to do. But then, of course, we didn't want too few drivers as well. We had similar discussions on the malicious drivers. And while malicious drivers are not typically store controllable, we did ensure that our field sneeze felt good about the drivers that we finally picked. 
So with our final set of drivers, next up was providing visibility into the drivers to the stores and communicating with them on what action they needed to take. So we made the drivers available in our store reporting applications. And we also came up with a store execution score that would allow us to track how the stores were performing with each driver. So if a store was doing well, we would expect that their execution score would go up over time. And all the driver data, as well as the execution scores, were staged in Google BigQuery. And we used Tableau for analyzing store distributions as we were, develop, as we were developing the execution store. So a little more on the execution score that, that was developed. When we looked at how that was distributed across our stores, and this is the chart on the left, um, we saw a normal well curve, which, which was expected, with a slightly longer tail on the stores that were lower performing. So these are the stores that you see highlighted in the blue box. So these stores represented our opportunity to take immediate action on the drivers. Next, we looked at how our execution score was correlated with shrink rate. So if you look at the chart on the right, as our execution score increased from 10% to 100%, the shrink rate, which is represented by the blue bars, decreases. So this gave us the validation that we needed, that the drivers we had picked and the execution score that we had designed would take us in the right direction. So this process is a really good example of blending art and science to solve a problem. We built a model, we identified the drivers that were significantly correlated with shrink, and then applied an operations lens on it to pick the drivers that stores could control. We provided visibility to the stores on the needed action on these drivers and designed an execution score that would allow us to track their performance over time. We did this by bringing our business partners and field leaders along with us on the journey, and the end result was better and more actionable. Including them in the process early on ensured they were aligned and more vested in the success of the project. Now, the project rolled out successfully and it was received well um, in the field, but you know, thinking back, everything was not hunky-dory. So I'd like to wrap this up by talking through what we learned from this project. And hopefully some of you will find this helpful in your current or future projects. So thinking back, there were some things that worked well for us and others that could have gone better. So one of the things that was a major factor in the success of the project was that this project had you know, alignment at the executive level, that this was important and the right thing to do for the company. And that helped us in a couple of ways. One, it ensured that all the teams that were involved in the project knew what the priority was and we were all marching towards the common goal. And two, since the pro priority was clear, any other asks that competed with resources with this project, we could easily say no to. The next thing I want to call is that collaboration really worked well between the teams. And, and part of this was because everyone was aligned on priority. But really, you know, the teams did work well with each other. We all had well-defined roles. And specifically for us, the fact that we engaged our partners early on and involved them in the driver selection process really had them vested in the success of the project. Next, what worked was just you know, following some project management basics. So once we had um, determined what the scope of the project was, we tried our best not to stray from that. And this is not to say that things didn't come up or there weren't you know, enhancement opportunities identified. There were, but we were very focused on getting a version one out and we parked you know, any, any future enhancements for a, for a version two. Um, 
So we had regular stand-ups with um, our teams as well as business partners to make sure that we were, uh, you know, making sure that things were moving along and we were addressing any blockers in a timely manner. Another thing that I'd like to talk about that helped us hit the ground running was our data and analytics infrastructure. So I talked about our shrink repository of, of potential drivers that was already available and easy to add to and modify. We use this for most of our shrink projects and we were able to leverage it for this driver's analysis as well. We also have multiple environments already set up that allow us to run multiple projects in parallel. And this makes sure that the team doesn't step on each other's toes. Um, the other thing I'm going to call out is that we have a well-defined enterprise, we have well-defined enterprise tools and technologies that are supported by our IT teams for data engineering, developing models, scheduling, and visualization. And these work for the scale that we need. So there was no time lost in choosing the right technology or having to build out features from scratch. Next, um, I want to talk about, you know, thinking through when we were trying to solve for how we want to approach this problem, we discovered that we were able to draw from you know, methodologies that we had used on previous projects. So we had done driver's analysis in the past. You know, we had built scoring models in the past. And even though we may not have solved the exact problem, they were similar enough that we could reuse components from them. And, and this is important to keep in mind, especially for those of you that are you know, perhaps newer in your careers, that you don't always have to reinvent the wheel. Right, you can always draw from something that someone somewhere has worked on and use that, and that helps you move a little faster. And then finally, you know, most of us have been in the situation where we've had to explain something technical to a non-technical audience. And in this case, we were partnering with field data, with field leaders. They're world-class operators. They know, you know, from experience how operational processes cause strength. But they don't really understand regression models, nor do they care, you know, how many iterations we ran or, or you know, what the R square was. So when we would meet with them to review drivers, keeping it simple really helped. So you know, we would talk to them about well, these were the drivers that are showing up, how they were related with shrink, and then talk through the business process and, and try to discuss with them, you know, why or why not it was showing up in the model. And this they understood, right? They we were speaking their language they were able to partake in the conversation and, and we kept moving forward. Now, that was everything that worked well. There are some things that could have gone better. So initially cross-team cross collaboration was off to a slow start, but then once everyone was aligned that this was the number one priority, we moved full steam ahead. And finally, we rolled the drivers out in such a short uh, period of time. Um, you know, The team wished that they had more time to validate the data and the metrics prior to the launch. Thank you for listening to the Women Who Code podcast. To find out more about our mission and the work we do across the tech industry, visit our website, womenwhocode.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Women Who Code. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel with hundreds of hours of free educational videos. Just go to youtube.com backslash women who code. Thanks again for listening. And remember to subscribe, rate and comment.